Welcome to The Shared Desk, episode 104. It is such a relief when technology does what it's supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Good evening, everybody. It is, once again, time for The Shared Desk, and I am your host, T. Morris, and sitting across from me, my better half, Hi, I'm Pip Ballantyne. And, you know, I cannot think of a better song to segue us into what happened at the Hugos than How Bizarre. How Bizarre. <laughs> how, biz- how Bizarre. How Bizarre. Um, wow. Uh, we, un- we have a lot to unpack tonight. We got a lot of angles to work got tonight. got a lot of angles to work this case here, man. Um, and if you notice the stream is moving a little smoother and things are going a little better, it's because now we're streaming off of the PC trying something new of course and um and this should be this should be a fun new experiment but yeah uh it's it's always nice when technology does what i want it to do when it's supposed to work hey yo yes fuck it let's do a quick shout out to dark jedi monkey pains uh monkey pants uh don't panic who's corona free yeah we're so happy that you're corona free she is to that everybody's here and this is actually panic's first time checking out this podcast well as always you can check out the back issues of this podcast at the shareddesk.com Dang. and you can also um you can also check out all the different feeds we've got the we've got the raw feed of course <clears throat> which uh does not see the editing hands of my of my lovely <laughs> wife uh we are uh we are a household as you know that uh that is dealing with the a, a recuperating there's cat. a lot of hair there's a lot of hair situations there's a lot going of hair on. going on but that wasn't what I was talking about. I was talking about the recuperating cat. I was talking about. Oh yes, we still has, have a grumpy cat. He has a patch of baldness on him because he had he had some surgery. He's not going to show himself he up will here. Not be showing up here this go around. But that is not what we're here to talk about. Oh boy, we got. If lots only of we were talking about if that. If only we were talking about that. And uh, and I won't I won't lie, chat. Uh, having this on stream, I feel naked, not wearing my my gloves from Ritual Motion over at RitualMotion.com. Uh, remember, uh, they are one of the uh, lovely affiliates of this podcast. And we would love it if you were to order some stuff from them. I actually need some code. because I was playing my shark game on Friday and my hands got a little sore. You know, I woke up the next morning, my hand was a little okay. sore. So this weekend were um, were the Hugo Awards, the 2020 Hugo Awards. Now these would have been held at Con Zealand, which yeah. is the World Con for science fiction and fantasy writers. And if we hadn't been in the middle of a pandemic, it would have been held in New Zealand. In fact, in my hometown of Wellington. Yeah. It would have been great. In another timeline, I'm sure it's fantastic. In another timeline, it would have been absolutely phenomenal. But like many conventions this year, they've gone virtual. They've gone virtual. Which has worked out. We did a Gen Con. Uh, We're doing a Necronomicon. There's, you know, ways around it. It's not as fun as being there online, but there are some things that need to be done. Now, at the Worldcon, they always hand out these things called the... Hugos. Now, if you're unaware, or, or if you if you don't know what we're talking about with, um, if you don't know what we're talking about with the Hugos, let's go ahead and let's uh, let's mm. let's first give some uh, a, a brief rundown of what the Hugos are. There are two major awards for science fiction fantasy authors. The first is the well, I like to my first is the Nebulas. Is the Nebulas. The Nebulas are voted right. on by um, professionals like editors, agents, writers. Right. So it's sort of like, you know, an award by your peers. Yeah. Then you have the Hugo Awards. Now, the Hugo Awards is basically the biggest fan-driven award 
probably one of the biggest fan-driven awards out there. It is more or less the people's choice of what they think is the best of science fiction, fantasy, yeah, and even people's horror. Cho- people's choice. Yeah. And and it's and and it's uh, it's it has a lot of prestige behind it. At least yeah. that's the way. That's the way they sell it. Yeah, and, it's, and it's been it. going for a long time. It's been, it has been going. Yeah, it's been going for a long yes. time. Many, many decades. Many decades. Many decades. Um, and it seems 40, like, but know, it 40, seems like in the past five, ten years, the Hugo's, something has to happen at the Hugo's to really embarrass the science fiction fantasy community. Yeah, a few years back, there were a bunch of people called the Sad Puppies. I'm not going to get into why they were called that, but yeah. uh, they were basically trying to stuff the ballot on the Hugos and get their, should we say, right-wing... Um, Let's say pure. Let's say pure. Pure science fiction. In their, in their pure eyes. Science pure science, science fiction. fiction. Big, Proper science big fiction. Big quotes around that. You know, getting back to Heinlein and Asimov and all of that. Which... Rocket, rocket ships, women in women in tight in, in in tight outfits, that sort of thing. Yes, that's what we're talking about, nerd girl. We're gonna get to that. Yeah, we're we're gonna get. We're to just that. giving a broad overview of people yeah. so people catch up. But it, but so so that is really what what what's going on is that what the backlash is this year is that the Hugo Awards became almost a parade of old school authors pining for the days of of that classic SF. The golden age of science fiction. Go- I'm going to put the, quite down uh, the golden the age, golden of, science age fiction, of science fiction. Which, you know, is entirely led by nostalgia. Everybody thinks when they were like a teenager or a 20-year-old, that's when the golden age of something right. was. And and like, and like so the golden age of, uh, of science fiction and fantasy writing uh, would be... Well, actually, let me rephrase that. The golden age of science fiction, full stop. The yeah, golden, there was no the, fantasy. There was no fantasy. There was no horror. It was just the golden age of science fiction. That was led by Asimov, um, Bradbury, Campbell, Herbert, um, pretty much anybody that wrote in the 50s and 60s. That and it was, was a white guy. Yeah. Uh, and of course, George R. R. Martin. Now, why do we bring in George R. R. Martin? You oh, ask? why do we? Why did we bring in George R. R. Martin? George well... R. R. Martin was asked to be the. Um, Toastmaster. The Toastmaster at the Hugo Awards. Okay, so you would think that's a great idea. And if you want to get, if you want to get eyeballs on the screen, if you want to get an audience online, if you really want to rally the fans, you're going to get George, you're going to bring George R. R. Martin in and he is going to host one of the most important awards not only of science fiction, of fantasy, of horror, but of fandom in general. To be fair, we've been to events where he's turned up and he's at least tripled the size of the crowd. Yeah. So okay, um, a, a perfect example. Uh, there was a there was a uh, there was an event, local Cap, event, Capclave, 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 uh, a, a local event here in DC, and they usually have about mm, two hundred people through the yeah, door. Yeah, and they had nine hundred. Yeah, nine hundred. Their numbers went from two to nine hundred because their guest of honor was George R. R. Martin. Okay, let's get something. Let's get something a little clear. Let's get something clear here first. This podcast is not a podcast to necessarily hate on George R. R. Martin. It isn't. He has made decisions in his career that. Oh yes, we're not going to bring that up. We're not going to bring that's that by up. By the by, we're not bringing that up. We are not bringing up that that hashed argument about where's the next book that is that is off the table that is off the table what we are going to talk about though is not only what happened at the hugos 
but also about the empowerment that we give people like George R. R. Martin. Because I think this really explodes. It, it, it has revealed some of the toxic behavior that the writing and the fandom community allows itself to put up with. Yeah. Um, it is an empowerment. It is an enablement. Mm. And it is something that, that, that we as that we as fans, that we as fans really need to do something about. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to say, I was just wanted to point out that this happens, this sort of tox- enablement of toxic behavior is not just confined to the writing and the fandom oh, no. community. Oh, I mean, no, this no, is no, something no, that no, goes no, on no. in the acting community, any sort of community, streaming community as well. It does happen all over. But because we're writers and fans, it particularly um, affects us. Right. And it particularly affects... Me because it happened in New Zealand, and we're gonna, and we're also gonna cover that in the, in, oh, the, in, the, in, the, in the scope of this podcast so as well. Bad. But let's first, so let's first basically talk about what happened. Now, when you're a Toastmaster, when you're a Toastmaster, you're basically there to be the MC. You're there to move and keep moving the course of events at wherever you are doing your Toastmastering. Um, I can speak on this because I actually was an MC slash Toastmaster at. Uh, Pip's brother's wedding. That's right. And it was really a lot of fun. It was a, it was an absolute blast being a Toastmaster. But there are two things you need to know when you're a Toastmaster. One, it's not about you. It's about the event. You are there to keep the event moving along at a, at a good pace and get to the people that are that the event is about. The second thing you need to do though is that if you do if you do some entertaining stuff, you need to make sure that your entertainment riffs are short, sweet, to the point, and again, about the people that the event is for. Yes. Um, because this is supposed to be supposed highlighting to be yeah. and celebrating the people who have won these awards, and it is, amongst our community of writers, a big deal. Right. But the, the thing to know about what happened at this event is that George R. R. Martin, on his own, this is not including the actual part where he was saying the nominees are... George R. R. Martin spent literally over three hours pining for the golden age of science fiction. But it wasn't just George. It was George and other members of the science fiction community that Con New Zealand had, had, had recruited to present and, of course, run the Hugo Awards that we were suddenly lost in this pining for the good old days of science fiction. And it went on. And on and on and on, and let's let's not even get into um, how George was pining for Isaac Asimov. What a what a great guy Isaac Heinlein. Asimov. Was. Oh Heinlein. man! And yet, I, it it was coming out that Isaac Asimov had a reputation for well, let's just saying giving women authors and women attendees at cons the handshake but it was a handshake about three feet lower than where their hands would be and it would also be okay. from behind on top of the on, on top of the nostalgia factor that 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 the that george r. r martin was literally leading on because all this stuff was pre-recorded wow all this stuff was pre-recorded um and we're not going to also present anything about rumors. We're just going to go with the facts. Yeah, yeah. We're what just we know, what we know for truth. So what we far. know for truth was that Con New Zealand reviewed this. Con New Zealand saw the footage, and Con New Zealand sat back and said, "This is fine. 
This is fine. This, this is George. This, this, this is, is fine. fine. It's George. It's George R.R. R. Martin. This is fine. So, Pip. I, oh, my God. <laughs> putting you on the spot now. Lord. As a member of... As a member, as a member of the Commonwealth, as yes. a citizen of New Zealand, I'm going to ask you this on two angles. I want you to answer mm. this from a, from from a New Zealand from a New Zealand citizen point of view. Then I'd like for you to answer this question as a science fiction fe- female science, not just even a female, a science fiction writer's point of view. Mm. What were your thoughts on George R. R. Martin's presentation as Toastmaster? It was. It let's, was let's start. Let's start with. <laughs> As a member of the Commonwealth, as a as a member, as a citizen of New Zealand, I was thoughts? horrified because um, the history of this event goes back twenty years, and we know the one of the organisers. I know tangentially many of the people involved uh, in the fan community that put this on, and I feel horrified because <clears throat> I know they work very hard. They've been working for I I kid you not. <laughs> Um, 15 years. 15 years on this one. 15 years. So when I saw what was going out and New Zealand's name was attached to it, I was mortified. And then I was disappointed. And then I was angry. Um, now, is that, the, is that the member of the Commonwealth or is that the, is that the uh, science fiction writer and you coming out? Um... I think I I think I was disappointed and mortified just because of being a New Zealander and having New Zealand's name attached to this. Um, that was you know New Zealand's better than this. Um, New Zealand is a inclusive, welcoming place to people of all races, creeds, gender identities. I mean, it is. Um, and what happened there? What what George was allowed to say? did not represent New Zealand and I felt horrified by that. Now as a science fiction writer, how do you feel about it? I think it was um it was exclusionary. It was basically saying, "Hey, look, things were great when we were all just white dudes hanging out at cons, <laughs> do whatever we wanted. Go, we ruled back then." It was it was honestly that sort of I, I mean, I understand that people have nostalgia for things when they first start them, like in their teens and 20s, but uh, it was so tone deaf to the different kinds of people that are now involved in writing um, that, you know, I'm a, I'm a straight white woman and it offended me. I can only imagine what any transgender or gay people... Um, writers of color. Writers of color. Oh writers of he- any nationality whose last name wasn't Smith, because apparently oh. Martin was actually botching many of the names. Anybody who wasn't an Anglo-Saxon yeah. name, it was mangled. Which is there's no excuse for that. Now he said on his blog post, and he blog blogged about this, uh, I think today. He said, "I was never sent any pronunciation." Okay, if that's the if case, you wanna, if you want to drop, drop the BS bomb, you can. Yeah, well, I'm going to assume that that's true. Even if that was true, you go and you Google how to pronounce somebody's name. I've had to do a lot of, um, you know, different cultural names for different things. I go, you can go online, and there are videos on how to pronounce things correctly. But of course. That didn't happen. And so many people who won awards 
had their name butchered, including weirdly our friend who doesn't really have a difficult name. No, so yeah, it yeah there was a um, from the podcasting community. From she, uh, she's from the podcast community. She's actually also from the writing community. She is a she's a previous Campbell winner as yeah. well. And she's Mer done a lot of work Lafferty. for uh, this Sifwa uh, Science yeah. Fiction Writers of America. Mur Lafferty, M U R. That is Mur's first name. Mur. M-U-R. M-U-R. He pronounced it Mir. Mir? Yeah. Now, it's one thing when you butcher somebody's name, and of course, you are turned into a meme over it. Mm. Case in point, John Travolta. When John Travolta mispronounced somebody's, uh, you know, uh, somebody's name at the Oscars, it was overnight a meme. Yeah. Now, this is my, and this is where I, 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 I feel like th uh, we have almost a, a, a double standard. When someone like Travolta does it at the Oscars, people turn into uh, into a uh, into a into a meme, and of course everybody laughs about it. George R. R. Martin does it, and they go, "Oh, but it's Uncle George. He's so charming when he does it." <laughs> yeah. Okay. One. Pip and I have had not one but two encounters oh, with George R. R. Martin. Yeah, we can tell about that. Oh, okay. Um, and New Girl said, "So disappointed to find out that he's a racist a-hole who repeatedly mispronounced non-white names, even though the name is pronounced was provided and was recorded, and then praised a known racist." Yeah. 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 Um, yes, Bucket also went. I think Pip's experience as a woman in sci-fi writing is super important in this discussion as well. Women and other folks who aren't cis men have a long history of being discriminated against, especially in the science fiction fantasy community, not even touching writers of color or other sexualities, non-Western nationalities, etc., etc., etc. If you weren't an old straight white guy, George yeah. wasn't talking to you. Well, no, George, wasn't, <laughs> no, George wasn't talking to us because we were just, you know, simple. We, we, were, we were writers. We were writers. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're a fan, it's a little different. It's a fan. Hey, how you doing there, Roy? It's a, if you're a fan, it's different. But because we were writers, uh, we got a grunt out of out of him uh, at at another event. He but has he has not made a good impression on us. No, he has not. Met him. He is not. And I will I will go one step further. Everybody likes to say, "That's just that's just George keeping it real. That's mm. just George keeping it real." Let me tell you another time when he kept it real. <laughs> this is uh, this is two thousand and fifteen. Oh my god. No, I thought it was 10. It was 2010. Yeah, well, it was 2010. Worldcon was, was in Australia. Worldcon was in Australia. And we, being members of the Harper Voyager family... This is not a public event. This was just no, for writers this was and a agents. private event for writers, agents, and editors. And um, George was asked to speak at, a, uh, at, at the 15th anniversary of Harper Voyager. Turns out that Pip and I are stable mates with George. Not that he would notice that. We'll get to that in a second. But George is up there on a pedestal, and he's 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 giving his uh, his his opening notes. And one of the things he says is, 15 years ago, there was a uh, Democrat in the office that the Republican Congress were going after, trying desperately to dethrone because he had such a popular uh, grasp on the people. The economy was in a recovery position, and we were trying desperately to get things going again. And I was behind on a few of my deadlines. Isn't it great that 15 years later... Nothing. We're all... No. We're, no. He said, 15 years later, we've all moved past that. <laughs> and of course, there was a there was a huge laugh. There was there was a large amount of laughter oh, from yes. everybody. Except for three people that were in the audience. Standing to one side. I got a photograph of them. The three people who were not laughing at that last joke about George R. R. Martin and deadlines 
was the chief editor of Harper Voyager United States, chief editor of Harper Voyager UK, and chief editor of Harper Voyager Australia New Zealand. Three women all standing there like this. Yeah, they were not pleased. They were not. They were not impressed. Uh, so honestly, your and I, your impression and my impression of him was so low that when this happened, weren't terribly surprised. Um, well, I I was surprised about the racism and the and the passing, you know, all of those sort of things because I'm like, you shouldn't be doing that in public. You know better than that, right? But I wasn't surprised in the general tone of the way he handled himself. But the other thing I would add to that is I also wasn't surprised by anything that happened by this and why it was let go. Why all this was let go. Yeah. Because of the Hugos in general. Mm. Let's get back in that time machine again. Let's go back to Worldcon, um, World, Worldcon I think I was at 20, San Jose. I was 2015, No, that might have been 2015. That might have been 2015. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about the Hugo Award. I remember when I got into science fiction, I started writing in science fiction, right? And and I was I, I was very excited when I was when I was I was getting into this and thinking to myself, you know, one day, maybe one day I could maybe I could present the Hugo's. Maybe one day I could actually I could be good enough that I could I could write for or, you know, write get and, a nomination. And get a nomination for Hugo. Winning winning is kind of like the that that's like the Hail Mary pass, but to, to hear your to hear your your yeah. name read as you know best novel of the year for the Hugo Awards, what a great honor! Until we went to the Hugo Awards. Yeah. Now I also want to preface this too by saying we we were late getting to the Hugo Awards because everyone was telling us, "Oh, you got to get there early. Got to get there early. Got to get there early. Got to get there early." Well, we didn't, and we wound up sitting in the back. Which was interesting. Spot we had a very different perspective when it came to the Hugos, because instead of sitting up front, where the writers and the editors and and all and all the important people were, we were in the back with the groundlings, with the fans, and we heard some of the toxicity that was going that 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 was just underflowing in this event. And after the event, I remember turning to Pip and saying. I don't think I ever want to even have my name associated with the Hugos. It was it was it was, it was a real eye opener. It was very insular. There were a lot of insular jokes yeah. that obviously people yeah. who had been there twenty years knew about. Oh yeah, and it kind of put down a wall between you, if you were a new writer, and them who had been at it for twenty years. It okay. was it was like being um, excluded from playing. You know. I, I because Games because school. because Freud because uh, because my boy Freud is in the audience right because Freud is in the audience um, I can actually give Freud a a, a, um, a relate a relatable a relatable feeling to it it was how I felt when I went to all things open hmm. it was how I felt when I went to all things you, open you kind of feel like an outsider I was I was very much an outsider. Even though I was I was involved in the open source movement, even though I was a voice for Code.gov, even though I was I was I was representing Code.gov, I felt <laughs> and, Freud, and Freud just went, "Oh yeah, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah, it does suck." I mean, um, but yeah, it was a very much an outsider feeling. And, and was, they did and they did all those inside jokes, all these inside jokes, name dropping, and I'm just sitting oh there going, gosh. "I don't know who any of these people are, but you know what? I'm going to get my little." Uh, 
my my, my sticker from my laptop and I'm good. You know? <laughs> and and then we also saw some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes of Hugo's, such as we uh, a friend of ours who was an editor who was nominated at the time. They were saying, well, you know, this isn't my year because I know that everybody's been told to vote for this person, and I'm like. That's how it works. Yeah. I know. I was even though young and says, innocent then. Even though it says clearly, clearly, in the in the bylines and the bylaws for um in the bylaws for for the Hugo, do not, do not, um, solicit campaign for, or yeah. solicit for votes. But how they get around it is is oh yeah, we you know we won't be soliciting for votes, but I can't control what my fans do. Yeah, yeah. And then of course, you know, you get the little nudge nudge wink wink. I have a book that's up for the Hugos. I'm you know, I'm not telling you to t- I'm not telling you how to vote, but you know, you know, for your consideration. It's another thing that puts a barrier yeah. between anybody new getting in. But here but here's and, and here's where I feel like um this is this is where, where we're going with all this. And for I mean Freud just said we do a horrible job at making community a welcoming experience. Where I want to back this up is the thing is no one at any point said to George R. R. Martin, "This is unusable footage." This is the this is the really sad bit. This is unusable footage because you're talking about you're basically glomming all over the um, you're glomming all over the golden age of sci-fi, which was very. Um, uh, narrow was, focus. It was very narrow. Old white dudes. It was all old white dudes. Some of them had real issues. I Some mean, of them were racists wh- whether, and homophobes and eugenicists. Right. You, you know, there, there was a there, there's a lot of baggage. There's a lot of baggage there. But nobody said anything to George yeah. because he's George R. R. Martin. I and think that I think that there is. Uh, this is what I wanted to add as a New Zealander into this mm-hmm. into this mix is. I was thinking about the nature of fandom and I was thinking about the nature of fandom, particularly in New Zealand. Being an isolated community, we have like one event a year, 200, 250 people max, right? Right. So when somebody turns up, an American turns up of any stripe, eh, you know, that's pretty impressive. They, they get the whole treatment. But if you're George R. Martin, they just... Well, yeah. lose their minds right. in some way more than they would if they were fandom here and it's bad enough here but take it over to New Zealand but it, and it's yeah. another and level it, and, and, it's, and it's amped up now their argument was is that they wanted to be completely agnostic they called it agnostic agnostic they didn't want they didn't want to edit George's voice so if George just straight up you know blurted out some racist stuff they would have let that pass they I, I now that he, now that now that that we can speculate on until the cows come. Yeah, I don't know. We but see but, what he did. But where I'm going with this is that we as fans empower these people. Yeah. Now let's look at and I'm, and I want to go on ahead and talk about some stuff on 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 a lower level on a, on a on a um on a not George R. R. Martin um level, but on a level that may be a little more relatable that has personally happened to me. I have had I have had authors um, belittle me on panels mm-hmm. and. And every year, even though I write, I do not want to be on this panel with this person again. I get put on these panels. Really? And then I come to find out that these people who are who are dogging me on these panels, they haven't written anything that has like been twenty years in, in like in like ten or twenty years, and yet they are still guests on a panel. There was one guest, I kid you not, there was one guest that tried to mix it up with Pip on a panel last year, 
and her last novel was in the 90s. And somebody walked up to her. Well, that that is, again, another... The, the circle jerk of, of fandom is, well, I know some people, but so I keep getting invited even though right. I haven't done shit in like 20 years. And th- but this is my point. We as fans empower them. When have any of these fans stepped up and said, and said, hang on a minute. Hang on. Why are we giving the, why are we giving this person the time of day if they don't have the street cred to back it up? Mm. The last thing they wrote was a short story that appeared in a, in a magazine Five years ago, this guy is still coming and talking on panels. And but this thing, this this whole issue of how we empower these people and let them get away with this, we should be held, holding uh, people mm. accountable for what they say. Um, I've been on a panel with four guys that were dogging me, all of them. Right. And it was an awful situation because these were again these were people that keep getting invited back to conventions, and all they did was talk over me. Um, you know, not belittle me, but they would just like talk over me. Right. So I never got to be heard. The and so I was sitting there and I'm like, do I like cause a scene? If I cause a scene, I'm the bitch. Right. Um. Right. Do I? But but I don't also want to take it meekly. So it was a it was a really really awkward situation. It, it's, it's a very, and they were yeah. old white guys. Right. And then when the end of the panel, there was a woman who had been in the audience who said, "I would have loved to have heard you." And I said, "Me too." When when you see when you when you see how how people especially the ones who make it big like George yeah. when they make it big one of the other things that George kept harping on and he kept harping on that the whole thing was his early days oh it was all about him it was all about him and again this is what this is what where, where the empowerment comes in. We empower that because we go, yeah, that's George keeping it real. But the awful thing is that it actually stops new voices from coming in. Right. And it makes the fandom and the writing community stagnant because we're, we're just hearing from George every time. And if we're was, hearing about what he did in 1971 and right. what he ate. He talked about what he ate. Right. Talked about, yeah. In 1971. If you want, if you're doing a retrospective on George R. R. Martin, that's the time to do it. <laughs> But when you are giving out awards to the new voices, it's not about you. It's about them. That was the really depressing thing was that the um, the people who won awards were an amazing, diverse, worldwide group of people um, that were very, very different from George. But he barely mentioned them. He only mentioned them when he had to. Yes, and then he mangled their names. Yeah. He only mentioned them when he had to. Now, of course, the the louder voices, the louder voices of of um, of, of of science fiction said, you know, we really should, you know, we should get an apology. We, you know, George should apologize because oh my gosh. because George should apologize because this was a night about them and they made it about him. Frankly, that's what narcissists do. But um, if you were expecting someone at George's level or age, no, no, at his level, let's just say at his level, mm-hmm. because there have been plenty of other people who have done this sort of apology. This was what George posted on Twitter as an apology, and it's it's it was a graphic, um, and it said words for our and he and he put, it, put a, t- a tweet with it words for our time. Brace yourselves. It's a quote from Voltaire. 
We are full of weakness and errors. Let us mutually pardon each other our follies. Let that sink in. Let us mutually pardon each other our follies. No, George, this was your folly. Mm. And for him to just say, for him to actually post a, that this, this level of a non-apology, something's pretentious as a quote from Voltaire. Um, right. No taking fault, no owning mistake. And yeah, exactly, Freud. Freud. There's bad people on both sides. It's when anyone... See, see listen to those people. They, yeah. they had names that I couldn't pronounce. It's their fault. When anyone de- decides to deny people's reality and force their narrow-minded BS on them, it's infuriating. No, you don't get to decide anything for other people. It's especially heartbreaking when people are responsible for beloved matter are behind the hate. And it's mm. true. Mm. It's true. Separating art from artists has always been it's a It's always difficult... going to be hard. But, you know, you're not going to get an apology from J.K. Rowling. You're not going to get an apology from George R. R. Martin. You're not going to get an apology from... Um, Orson Scott Card. Because there are no consequences to them. They they, they are, already have your money. Right. They they, have, JK's got your money. Right. George has got your money and HBO's money. And the, the thing the thing that, that when people say, Well, that's just George keeping it real. Let me let me talk about another incident. Again, where we empowered where we empowered the the offending party. There was an infamous uh, thing that happened at a uh, at a recent world con- at not a recent uh, world con- about a world six con- years ago. About, about, about yeah, it, it happened. It, it happened ago. in the aughts. It happened in the early aughts. Oh, maybe it was longer than that. Um, no, it, no, it happened a while ago. It happened yeah. a while ago. I remember over ten years. Um, it, well, it was when he was still alive. But basically, apparently, the 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 thing they were that you would do at uh, at, at Worldcon is. Every time you would you would do uh, you would get up to, to to present an award, you'd have a, 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 a little shtick, little shtick, little wacky sketch to go on. God, I hate that. Okay. And and Harlan Ellison had something elaborately planned with Connie Willis, and turns out Harlan's wife forgot the prop. Ex-wife, ex-wife forgot the prop. Um. So, so um. So they go out on stage, they're, they're, they're introduced, and they basically said, we'll just wing it. They get out there, what does Harlan do? He grabs Connie Willis's boob. Mm-hmm. And she just eye rolls. And when people brought this up, and people still bring it up, Connie Willis goes, that's just Harlan being Harlan. Mm-hmm. I heard a fan tell me that once. It's that's just hard. Now, now, can I, from a female point of view, I would love to hear your from a female what point that, of what view. What does that tell people? She would be. She might. You know, women are taught that if you cause a fuss, you're the bitch, right? So if she had actually called him on it, she probably would have been like, "Oh, Connie's such a bitch." You know, it was just Harlan. She she should have just rolled with it. So I'm. I can't say I look into her head and say something, but it's possible. That she was just trying to brush it off to avoid getting called, the, you know, the Call stick that, in the mud. The stick in the mud. Yeah. Stick in the mud. But but again, this goes back to that exclu- that that exclusionary feel that the Hugos have had. Back to that 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 old that old boys club. And if people go, yeah. well, that's no such thing. That's just you being your 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 wacky liberal self. tea I'm like, watch the video. Yeah, it's awful. Watch. The but video. the other th- the other thing is when. Connie accepted. I, I agree. I, I think Nerd Girl is also right. When Connie huh? accepted that sort of behavior, 
in front of a group like that. There were women watching that and their message to them in their head is, this is what I have to put up with. Right. This is just what I will right. have to deal with if I want to be in the boys club. Yeah. And it's a toxic and terrible thing to be putting up with. And I, at least in this day and age, in 2020... You would think. Well, no, in this day and age, there are people complaining. There are people saying... You know that was terrible. What George did. I mean, but what, but but what we get as a as a as a uh, but there are sincere, people pushing as a, back. As a sincere reply is, we are f- we are full of weakness and errors. Let us mutually pardon each yes. other our Aren't follies. We all just we we no George. This time it was on you. Yeah, it's on you. And you know. Um, and I, <laughs> it is funny how treating people decently and calling out toxic behavior is now considered liberal. Yeah, yeah and no. if that's the case, guess what? I'm a screaming liberal, and I love it. But it, yeah, Nergo's right. Connie would have been blackballed right, and more difficult. Right. Yeah. Even they, back then, Nergo also said they think that because they came up with important works, they're above all reproach. Mm-hmm. I'm holding them responsible by not giving them any more of my money. That is the way they will learn affect affect their bank accounts. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. By and and when people go well, you know, and now here's here's the thing, New Zealand, con New Zealand. Mm-hmm. They said they were being agnostic about this whole thing, but here's how this whole mess could have been avoided. Yeah, they could have just said, "We got George's uh, footage. It's and unusable, we, and we couldn't use it. We couldn't use it, and they could have just left it at that. And if they and if people would have if if people would have pried, okay, they could have told a white lie. They could have said, well. The download didn't work properly, yeah. or they could have just said the footage was was just yeah. I'm like what? My thought was okay. I think they well. One New Zealand attitude is always don't make a fuss, and so I think that probably contributed to it. But I'm like, are they afraid of George? Because what's he going to do to the country of New Zealand? He can't sell his. He won't sell his books there. He's not going to do that. He doesn't control that. Um, oh, is he going to badmouth New Zealand and make sure there's no con that comes there? There's not going to be another con coming to New Zealand for many years. Especially after that. Especially after, especially after this. And by not reining him in, it's reflected badly on them and the New Zealand fan community and New Zealand as a whole. Right. I mean, it's it's just heartbreaking. And I think they should have done something about it. They should have... Either they didn't watch it, which was highly irresponsible, but they must have because someone had to edit it. So, okay, yeah, they had to have yeah, watched it. Someone had to have edited it. And either they watched it and they didn't think there was anything wrong with it, which... Which is also a problem. Which would itself. be a major problem. Or they watched it and they thought, shit, there is something really wrong with it, but we can't tell George. We can't complain to George. We can't cut George or... But this is where this and this is where this is where the, the the waters become extremely murky. Yeah. Worldcon is a fan run event. Yeah. It's not a professional run event. No. However, it isn't. however, there are some professional people involved. There are professional people involved, and on top of that, science fiction writers and fantasy writers and horror writers want to be, want to be treated like professionals. Yeah. Then God damn it, start acting like one. Yeah. Think about your words before you speak up. Think about the impact. And the people go, well, I can't think about every word I go. Well, guess what? You know who else says that? Trump. Sorry to get that too super political, but let's be honest. 
shooting from the hip, we have discovered, especially in politics, maybe not the best thing to do. We're, we're going to deal with a... a oh, and uh, yes, Bucket said, is New Zealand like a slightly less passive-aggressive Minnesota? We are massively passive-aggressive. They are. They're very massively passive-aggressive. I, I think I would lay down money on New Zealand and Canada being the top two passive-aggressive yeah. countries. Yeah. <laughs> and again, we, you know, there, there are and there are rumors. There are rumors floating around trying to defend George, trying to defend Con New Zealand. But let's be honest, there is no defense. The best defense in this is to step up and own it. I've talked about it before. I've talked about it before on streams. I've talked about it before on other podcasts. I'm going to talk about it here. Own it. But the problem is, George is never going to. He's it. never going to own it because he is too big. Well, He's you know what? You see, Con New Zealand could come out and say, instead of being agnostic and their non-apology, could have said, you know what? We screwed up. We yeah. thought we, we were like blinded by George's, you know, stature in the community. And we thought we couldn't do anything about it. And we put it out there and it was the wrong move and we should have done it. And we apologized to all of the people who won Hugo's and but I think da, 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 da. But I also think the, the other people that should be that should be owning this mm. it's not just George but it should be other people in larger you know more more um, prominent voices mm-hmm. in the science fiction fantasy and horror community should be speaking up they should say yeah George, you know I would love it if Gaiman would say you know what that was really I'm a not, dick I'm move not on che- George's part I know that uh, Mary yeah. Robinette Cole yeah, uh, right. who is a former head of Safwa. Yeah. She she tore into it and she right. said, George, you have my phone number. If you don't know what's wrong with what you did, give me a call. I'll explain it to Here you. Here we go. You know, I want to see more of that. I'd like to see Scalzi step up and say something about it. Yeah. I'd like, and, and the reason I pointed out Gaiman was because Gaiman was one of the first and one of the most vocal people to speak out against fans, yeah. against fans about demanding where's the next book. I noticed he'd been real quiet through this whole thing. Now, granted, I know Gaiman's dealing with a lot right now, but I don't think it's it would be out of it would be out of turn for him to watch that video and go, George, what were you thinking? Yeah, it'd yeah. be nice because then and only then around his peers, that's when George is going to be like, "Wow, I really did screw the pooch." It, it on would this. have to be you know people at his level or near his yeah. level. It's not going to be would, authors um, at our level, but if enough podcasts speak up and if enough fans speak up, eventually. Yes, I really do think that more prominent authors higher up on the food chain than us, because I know there there are people higher up in the food chain than us. Oh yes, will what? yeah will say okay, you know what? Yeah, maybe that was not the smartest thing in this, to say there. And the 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 other thing though is that we have to be better. Mm. We have to be better as fans, and we have to be better as writers. If I'm ever asked, you know, God willing, let's just say one day I'm asked to be a toastmaster somewhere. For any of the events, whether it's the whether it's for the nebulas or whether it's for um, the Hugos, I can make this promise right here, right now, so it's preserved and everybody will see me say it. I wouldn't make it about me, no, and my personal journey. This the Hugos is supposed to celebrate what the fans think is the best of the bunch, yeah, the cream of the crop, and if, and and you know, and the the funny thing is. George was reminiscing about, oh, I remember when I was one of the first people to be, you know, I was one of the first people to be nominated. And it was such an honor to be nominated. But he butchered these people's names. Apparently, he remembers how great it was to be nominated, but he forgot that feeling of when people, oh, I don't know, 
What if they butchered his name? How would that have made him? Well, he's up? like, I'm a Martin. What are they going to do? Right. It's it's it, there is you know a privilege that he's just enjoying and he's making yeah. the most of. But uh, you know the whole the whole thing about not being inclusive and about it all being a kind of a circle jerk, uh, a bubble of things that also has to change. It has to because young authors can't to. get in there and they feel. Like, this place isn't for me. Like, when Connie Willis's boob was squeezed. I mean, right. that's that's and, the message that goes into you know, their head. Oh, George is talking about back in 71. Shit, I wasn't even born in 71. Right. So I guess I'm not supposed to be here. You and, know, and, you know, it's and a terrible yes, message. It's, it, 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 is a, it is a horrible message. And, um, and as far as, as what we can do, hmm. you know, as fans... Is to really speak up about this. Have, hold people accountable. These hold are people, people accountable. These people should have, you know, a modicum of respect and and honesty and kindness and all the things that we expect from regular people. And, and we should expect from people who are higher up. It's just remain professional. And that was another thing. What George did, it was entirely unprofessional. Are you talking about with the hats? <laughs> just everything. <laughs> Not knowing people's names. What wandering on and on about yourself, um, yeah, wearing the stupid hats, having your own pop figure of yourself, cringe. Um, it was entire. It was unprofessional. You would never see Neil. Neil Gaiman knows how to be a professional writer. He keeps it professional, right? And and everybody admires him for it. George, people admire well because he sold a lot of books. And because, and, you know, and because when he... It's not because of his personality and, or the way I, he handles I himself. It. I get it. Cons bring bring George back because he will take... Again, case in point. He will take a 200-seat con and turn it into a 900-seat uh, event. Yeah. And I get that. I totally get the, the, the business. But if you think for a second, if you think for a second that George and writers of his ilk... Yeah. ...are, you know, keeping it real for the fans... They they wouldn't give they wouldn't spit, they wouldn't spit on you if you were on fire <laughs> because here's something else about that whole capclave uh, capclave thing yes George was available for capclave little 200 top event coming 900 event he's guest of honor another event was happening that weekend New York Comic Con yeah which gets over a hundred thousand people through the door why wouldn't someone of his stature be at New York Comic Con easy. He would be just another guest. Yeah. Whereas a Chris Catholic, Evans would be there. Chris Jason Evans Momoa. would be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah, those guys would be there. But at Capclave, he's the big fish. There's one big fish in that pond. There's one big fish, and that's what this comes back to. Cons have got to stop empowering those those authors. Yes, they bring those they bring those authors through the door. But if they know they're toxic, if they know that they're if they know that they are um, unprofessional, capable. Of this level of unprofessionality, then yeah, maybe doing maybe maybe doing this, and it's okay to say no. It's okay. It is more than okay to say to somebody, no. I imagine no right now they're they're feeling pretty awful uh, about what happened, but I mean, there's no two ways about it. They should feel awful about it. I mean, at the end of the day, George is going to do George. Right. Right. But He's we, not going to change. But we, as, but we but have to. We as fans need to hold them accountable. And and organizers, con organizers, and con organizers need to hold them accountable. Because whose whose name at the end of the day is mud? Well, it's con New Zealand, 
and it is New Zealand. Right. Which, not good. No. George will go, go on doing his shtick and doing whatever he wants, wherever so, he wants. But, so, to, so to wrap up this, wrap up this, uh, <laughs> rage, this, 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 this pip whole, rage. whole pip rage. You wanted to see pip rage? There it is. This is raw pip rage. With, um, where we're at as a community, whether it's a writing community, whether it's a, a fan community, we need to be better. Yeah. We need to hold our, 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 we need to hold our, our peers and our betters responsible for the things that they say. And if they don't get it, then you got to help them understand why they don't get it or, yeah. why, or why they are out of line. Yeah. And if they still don't get it, then you know what? Maybe it's time as yes, find new voices, find new voices. There are plenty of great people out there um, that could have done a much better job. Yeah. A much the, better the, job. There, there, and honored the people that yeah. were nominated. And that needs, and that's the other thing. That that that's another big. That's another, that that I might actually make happen. Panic! I might actually make a pip rage emote happen. Um, when you are and and that this is true from what Nerd Girl is saying. When you are only surrounding by yes men, you know, probably on a golf cart, but should be in the White House. Both <laughs> see themselves as above everyone and anything else. No one and nothing is more important than themselves and their opinion or worldviews. Yeah. And yeah. I agree. I mean, I have people in my circles, people, in, you know, people in chat, people like Marv, people like Munch, people, you know, that, that basically that when I get it right, they will, they will tell me, you got it right, T, good job. But they will also turn around and they'll go, T, you are way out of line. Mm. And I don't mind that because that is keeping it real. Yeah. That is, st that is staying rooted. And, um, and when when you reach a certain level of 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 success, you should e you should work even harder. You should work even harder to keep your wits about you and not not start buying into your own hype. Yes, don't drink your own Kool Aid. Right. Um. So I think that's going to wrap up our our perspective on the on, uh, on on what happened at the Hugos. Let's hope that in twenty twenty one. The next Toastmaster will actually remember that the event is not about them, but that the event is about the new voices and the new works of science fiction, fantasy, and horror that's going to come out. And, and I, you know, I think maybe, I mean, like many bad things that happen often precipitate change and improvements. So hopefully after this, maybe we'll start holding people accountable and being able to say no to people, you know, yeah. no matter what we think their stature is. Right. And uh, if you have thoughts about this event, if you have thoughts about what we're talking about, you know where to find us. That's 703-791-1701. You can either leave us voicemail uh, through uh, through uh, Google Voice or you can go on ahead and, and use uh, that number on WhatsApp and you can go on ahead and leave us voicemail there. You can also reach out to us at t at tmorris.com or pip at pjballantine.com or you can go to the comment section of this particular episode at www.thesharedesk.com. Hey, look, thanks everybody for joining us on this uh, rather rough talk about <laughs> what happened at the Hugos. Let's hope that we can actually be better not just as writers and not just to each other, but also as fans and people. And let's see if we can, uh, if we can, uh, since, since uh, George isn't going to own it, 
we as a fan community can own it and go, yeah, this is what we don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I really do believe that we can do that. I, we really also appreciate everybody hanging out in chat. Thank you very much for joining us on Twitch over at twitch.tv forward slash the team monster. And uh, we hope that you will join us once again for another episode of the shared desk. Until then, take care of yourselves and enjoy the ride. Catch you later.